Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So I want to say hello to everyone who's joining us online right now. Uh, Pastor Calvin is there, and he would love to uh, pray with you if you want to instant message him. Um, And he just loves it when you say hello, too. So thanks for joining us. So we are in our third week on Gifted. And if you were here last week, you know that we were talking about spiritual gifts. And I've set a bunch of foundations and kind of just where I'm coming from as we are are jumping into this. And we're going to look at um, the ones that we didn't cover uh, this week. And so... Uh, some people would call the, the ones that we're looking at uh, like the power tools, the power gifts, right? And I, I've compared these gifts to tools that we have this big toolbox and we can open it up and when we need it, the Holy Spirit gives us power, gives us gifts that's beyond us to do the work that he wants to do at his time, at his place, for his purposes. So, but the thing about power tools, it's like you don't know how to use a power tool, uh, you could get into some serious trouble. So I found actually here a couple... Um, Well, mistakes with power tools. Let's go ahead and bring that up, please. know why someone would do that. I don't know. I have to talk to one of our uh, mechanic friends here to help me understand like what, what but, and I like that guy trying to drink his beer and uh, so don't do that at uh, the same time. So, so we're going to talk about these gifts. Now I want you to understand that there are uh, a number of Christians who have a different position on the gifts I'm about to share than I have. Okay. And so uh, the, the idea would be that it's called a cessationist. And the idea is that some of these gifts, some think all, some think some of these gifts stopped when the New Testament was finished, when the Bible was finished, okay? I don't, I don't believe that, okay? So I just want you to understand that. But a passage that I have found that people who would, who would believe that is 1 Corinthians 13. Now, one of the things that I want you to understand, though, is that those people are going to be in heaven, okay? They're brothers and sisters, and this is not something that we need to get in a big fight over. I'm going to cheer them on, and the point is going after Jesus. The point is not going after these gifts, but I want you to have everything that God has for you so you can uh, move in his power and do what he's asking you to do. But here's a passage that some would look to to say, well, they stopped. It's 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter. We use it at weddings, but the truth is, is uh, Paul brings this in when he's talking about the way we interact with one another, the way that church works, because that's what 1 Corinthians is all about. It's about, all about you know, correcting some problems in church and the way we do church together. And he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. 
And here's the idea where they stop. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And of these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. Now, so I wanted to just show you um, John Piper, a great Baptist uh, preacher. Um, this is his uh, idea of uh, kind of what that passage means. So he says, Paul is saying here that prophecies will pass away not when the New Testament is completed, but when this age is completed at the second coming of the Lord from heaven. So when Jesus comes, that's when the perfect comes that we see in verse 10. And that's when all the speaking and thinking and reasoning like a child will be put away, which we see in verse 11. That's when we will see Jesus face to face, which we see in verse 12. And that's when we will know fully, even as we have been fully known. And my contention here is that if Paul who wrote much of the New Testament, is saying, we're only seeing in part, and we're going to see face-to-face, and if he hasn't seen face-to-face, well, when, when does that happen? And see, we're going to see Jesus face-to-face when he comes. And when that happens, when Jesus comes back, we're not going to need these spiritual gifts anymore. We're not going to need gifts of knowledge, gifts of wisdom, gifts of prophecy, because we're going to know, I mean, everything's going to be clear and plain before us. But until then, we need God's power to move forward. And so now, if you weren't here last weekend, you might want to go watch uh, the service because last weekend and the weekend before, we're just kind of building off of one another. And I set a foundation for where I'm coming from with these gifts. And so uh, I'm not going to fully go into that. I don't want to redo that whole thing again. You could just go watch uh, last week. But there's some things that that I I want to remind us of. The first one, as we're talking about spiritual gifts, uh, I think it's important. I want to reiterate, there are no second-class Christians, Okay. There's no junior Holy Spirit. So there's no like, you know, well, I got the stuff, I got this gift, and oh, oh well, sorry, you just have this gift. Wrong. Just wrong. And I'll tell you time and time again, I will take character, I'll take a transformed life, I'll take a person who is going after Jesus over a gifted person any day of the week, all right? They're not the same thing. And so there's no second-class Christians. So I talked more about that last week. You could check it into it if you'd like. Secondly, I, I'm, we know that Paul is teaching here in 1 Corinthians 12, and that's what we went through last week and what we're going to talk about the rest of this time here, that he's talking about using these gifts in church. And much of Corinthians is all about how the church operates together. But I made the point last week that these gifts are available today for you every day in your home, in your family, in your work. And as you're going through life, God, because Peter tells us that his divine power, his divine power has given us everything we need for what? Life. Life and godliness, knowledge from him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So he's giving us these gifts, his power for every day. The fruit of the spirit is for every day. It comes out every day where we go, okay? So I believe that these gifts are available for your use at home or wherever you go. And then I want to, I think the most importantly, remember the purpose. And Paul tells us what that is in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. He says that the purpose, the whole reason for all these spiritual gifts is what? The common good. To build one another up, to help us grow, help us go forward 
and to get into freedom, okay? So those are some foundations. If you want more about that and why I think that and the scriptures that I use to back that stuff up, you can go and uh, check out last week or you're welcome to send me an email too if you'd like, but be nice when you do, okay? So I just like them when they're nice, but all right. So now let's open up the box. So we get to our toolbox and we look, and like I said, I think these are different tools that we can use at different times and different purposes and God gives them to us as we need them. And so the first one, picking up where we left off, is healing. So that's the first one we haven't talked about. Now, a studied healing in the scripture, and there are different types of healing, and there are different purposes for healing. And I think all of these, if they're really going to make a difference, if true healing is going to come, is going to come from the Holy Spirit. So here's the first type of healing. We see it throughout the Bible, and it's healing of your heart and healing of your soul. And we see an example of this way back in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 8, verse 22. And the prophet cries out. He says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Now, if you skip over to the next chapter and go to verse nine, or chapter nine, verse three, you'll see what the wound is, what the problem is. They go from one sin to another. They do not acknowledge me, declares the Lord. So what we have here, the healing that is needed, this balm that we need, is because of the brokenness that comes from sin. And God wants to heal the brokenness that you and I carry. Now, our salvation, our justification, even our healing, it all starts what? With the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what makes us whole. But then there's effects of those sin that linger on in our life and God wants to remove that. He wants to free us and he does that by the power of his Holy Spirit. And not as it just healing for our soul, but it's healing for our emotions and healing for our thoughts. We see that in Proverbs 16, 24. And and the sage tells us, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So there's a time where a word carries power and it heals your heart, heals your mind, heals your emotions. Have Have you ever given, like by the direction of the Holy Spirit, ever given a spirit led, I'm sorry, and just saw the power of that? I was, uh, I was meeting with a guy a number of weeks ago who had been hurt by the church. Not, not here with me, but just a church had hurt him and just kept pushing him aside and his family aside. And he was, just, he was hurt and broken. And you know, I, I said, you know, I, I gotta tell you, we do that. The church, we, I've just seen it. I've done it. Where we just, we don't know what to do with messy problems. So we just kind of want to get them out of the way. And I want to tell you, I am so sorry that the church, I'm so sorry that we did that. And this guy, a grown man, just starts crying. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was working. There's something behind those words greater than what I have. And sometimes just to come, and I mean, have you ever told someone by the Holy Spirit's direction, have you ever told someone like, uh, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm going that, and you just say, you're not that. You are not that. That's not how God sees you. And all of a sudden you see something like, wow. That was more than me. There's power behind those words. Or have you ever told someone who, you know, they've been hurt, they've been abused, and you just look at them and you say, it's not your fault. God gives you those words and you see something happen in their spirit. There's a transformation that takes place. This happened to me, I've shared this with you before. It happened to me a number of years ago and I was at Don Gilberto's eating a burrito um, with Dave Horn from YWAM and uh, Galen and Gina. And um, so Dave, uh, as we're sitting there, and I'm just happily eating my burrito, he looks at me and he says, your father is proud of you. 
And I don't know, it just like hit my heart. I actually had to get up from the table and just kind of walk around and kind of breathe it out and cry a little bit. And you know why? Because I have been operating for years under this idea, like I'll prove it to you, Jesus. I'll just work a little harder. I'll show you, I'll make you proud, Jesus. And you know what, that beginning, when he spoke that word, it started something in me. And like right now, I'm up here, I live there now. I know that my father is proud of me. I could absolutely just mess this whole weekend up. We'll see how it goes, right? And he's still proud of me. He still loves me. I live there. And it started there. I hope you live there. I hope you know that he is for you and he's proud of you and that he's with you. And isn't it good? Isn't it good when God just gives you one of those words, like you receive it or you give it? And there's healing that comes to your spirit and your soul and your mind and your emotion. Guys, we need this gift. We need this gift so we can see life come. And of course, you know, it goes beyond that. It is physical healing. We're talking about healing your body when you're sick, there's disease, and that God does that. And I believe, and I personally, I have seen it. I have seen God heal people just right there on the spot. I mean, that's what Jesus' ministry was, right? In Matthew 4, 23, he goes out healing all sorts, every sort of sickness and disease, going just healing people, right? And why is Jesus doing that? Why does he heal? Well, first of all, for his glory. Remember when Jesus says, okay, if you don't believe in me, believe in the miracles. I'm just trying to show you. I'm here, I'm doing it. And sometimes God will bring healing so someone will just open their eyes and say, whoa, what was that? And the second reason is that he just wants you to know he cares about you. He loves you. We come and we're like, Lord, help me. And he'll say, okay, I will. But this, it begs the question, I don't know if you have this question, but I have this question, why doesn't he do it more? Why doesn't he do it always, right? Well, a couple thoughts that I have on that. You know, you look at the book of Acts, and we have to remember the book of Acts took place over about 25 years. And I think I've been following Jesus now for about 30 years. And I think that if you put like my highlight reel together, like all the really good things, I think I could fill about a half a chapter in the book of Acts. That would be pretty cool. And I think you probably could too, right? I mean, God's moving, and, and, and so we see these big things that he does, but it doesn't necessarily mean that every time they prayed, they saw healing. And I also think there's a connection with our faith, with our asking. I think sometimes the problem is that we're just not in tune with what God is doing. That God, I mean, he, he wants to do something, and we're just oblivious. We're just kind of going on our way, not even coming in faith that God might do something in the midst of it, right? But, you know, I'll pray for people for their emotional healing. And right here, you know, I usually stand right there when I pray for people. And I have seen many people, when I pray for them, they just like, they start crying. And God starts working, right? But not everybody. In fact, most don't. And I, and I don't ask, Lord, why don't more people cry when I pray? Right? I, I'm not out here saying, Lord, will you release your crying over our church? Please release crying in here, right? That's not, that's not what I'm doing. Now, I rejoice when they do. And I trust when they don't. And I don't even know what God is doing from what's going on on the outside. Maybe he'll go heal their hearts tomorrow or next week or, you know, bring, I don't know. And it's the same way, my, my approach to healing is the exact same thing. And sometimes it happens now and I'm like, yeah. And sometimes it happens later and sometimes he uses your doctors. Sometimes he uses your body, you know, just the way that it heals itself. And sometimes he doesn't. I keep asking I keep trusting. He knows what he's doing. I don't know why. 
I don't know why that one, he did it there and he didn't do it there, but my job is to ask. And listen, there's someone here, I think, who thinks that it's your fault that you didn't get healed. Maybe someone told you, well, you just didn't have enough faith. Or you had, you had the sin in your life and it stopped it. And I want to tell you that is not true. That's just not true. You know why? Because that would make you the healer. You're not the healer. God is the healer, all right? So it doesn't come from you. And if you look in the Bible, have you ever noticed that the people that Jesus heals, they don't get it together before the healing. They get it together after the healing, right? It's not like, hey, get yourself all fixed and then I'll heal you. In fact, there's the the paralytic. Jesus heals him and then he runs into him later. And what does Jesus say? He says, okay, now stop sinning or something else worse will happen to you. Something worse will happen to you. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, now stop sinning or I'm going to take away your healing. I'm going to make you um, paralyzed again. He says, or something worse will happen to you. Because listen, you got to get that sin out of the way. Because if if you're going to reap the wind or plant the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And so the guy didn't have it cleaned up. He didn't have it all figured out, but Jesus came in his mercy and healed him. So I just want to tell you, if someone told you, well, it's your fault that you're not healed, it's not. It's God's job to heal. It's his gift. It's my job and your job to ask. It's our job to come in faith. It's our job to keep asking and keep contending and keep declaring and keep believing and keep moving forward. But he is the healer. All right, let's go ahead and open up the drawer now. So the next one that you see in the list in 1 Corinthians 12, it's miracles. And I went through the Bible and I was, didn't look at every miracle, but I looked at a lot of different miracles. I was like, okay, Lord, now what, what are miracles? And I saw different kinds of miracles. And the first one that we see is the miracle of provision. And so we talked about this in our overflow series where there was the woman who couldn't pay for anything and then Elisha ministers her and she gets that oil and the oil just keeps coming and he provides or feeds the 5,000 with the the loaves and the fishes and God provides for us. I mean, anybody seen a miracle of provision? Isn't it a wonderful miracle? And then there's miracles also of protection. We see Gideon, for example. He's about to face tens of thousands of Midianites. And he goes with 300 men and he defeats the army because God is protecting Israel and protecting him. Samson sees protection over and over again. Then another type of miracle is presence. We see the miracle of God's presence. So there's a pillar of fire going with Israelites. His presence is there. Or angels come and visit. I am with you. What a wonderful miracle when we experience his presence in a tangible way. And then I saw a number of miracles of deliverance or victory. David fighting the giants and God delivers him and he gives him victory. God gives us those miracles. Another one, and this is probably one of my favorites. I love to see this one over and over again, which is a miracle of favor where God opens doors that just couldn't be opened before. Esther is a perfect example of that. God just gives her so much favor to just go right in there to talk to the king and he opens doors to save all of his people. And then of course there are miracles of healing. Jesus, Paul, Naaman, Elijah, I mean just see him over and over again. But do you know what a miracle is? A miracle is God coming through when we can't. It's when there's no other way except God. And then God comes and he does it. And you know what? I have seen so many miracles. 
And I've seen it in our everyday lives. I've seen it in your lives. I've seen people in court in the middle of a custody battle and then just God comes in and it's like, wow, how did that happen? God answered our prayers. I've seen it in the middle of conflict where there's people in my, in my office and it's just like, oh, I can't help you. I don't know how to fix this marriage. And then God comes and he brings a miracle and those people are still married today and he brought it back. It's like, oh, only you, God. And provision, boy, we've seen God's provision here time and time and time again. Now, miracles are connected to faith. There's no doubt about it. Matthew 13, 58, Jesus is in his hometown and he says he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. I want you to understand though that faith, it's not like a, it's not like a power up for Jesus, right? I need this turbo boost. He's like, oh, if I go, if I only, I just need a little more faith juice and then I can do something around here. I just can't, I just don't have the power without your, that's not how it works. God, God's done plenty of miracles with no faith at all. The transfiguration goes up there. The disciples are like, hey, let's build some shelters. I mean, they're completely clueless and God does a miracle. Or how about this? The greatest miracle of all, who helped God with the resurrection? didn't need us, right? God's got all the power that he needs here. But there is no doubt that God responds to faith. And when we come to him in prayer, when we move in actions with faith, that God meets us there, and that's when we often find a miracle. This is how I think it works. I think we see it in Hebrews 11.6. And we learn when they're talking about faith, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So here's the way that I think it works. See, if there's no faith, there's no asking. If there's no faith, there's no praying. If there's no faith, there's no reaching. If there's no faith, there's no contending. If there's no faith, there's no waiting. There's no faith, there's no crying out. If there's no faith, there's no movement. So Peter's in prison And what are all the disciples doing? What are all the believers doing? Till late in the morning, they're praying, they're contending, Lord, we believe, we know you can. And they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and God releases them, and he knocks at the door, and they're like, we're praying for you, go away. Right? See, our faith is important in these miracles. It's a supernatural gift, which means it's just God doing work that we can't do. But there's a natural partnership. See, God likes to partner with us. So we pray in faith. We ask in faith. We declare in faith. And we act in faith. And have you noticed how many of our miracles that we've experienced, they begin with a little small step action of faith? So the Pharisees, uh, not Pharisees, excuse me, the priests, they're carrying the, the ark and they put their foot, what do they do? They step into the Jordan and then the water parts. The Israelites are marching around the city and they blow the trumpets and yell and then the walls fall down. The paralytic that we just talked about, Jesus says, pick up your tent. So he picks up his tent. It's a little, little act of faith. And then what happens? He walks. See, God partners with us on miracles. Isn't that cool? All right, let's open up the drawer now and we're gonna bring out prophecy. Now prophecy, this is a big one. And the reason I say that is because Paul says so. He says, if you want any gift, prophecy's the one. That's the one that you should earnestly seek, right? And also, it's in all three of these lists, it is that prophecy is the only one 
that's actually in the motivational list, that's in the office list, and that's over here. So that's Romans and Ephesians, and it's also here in 1 Corinthians and the spiritual gifts. The only one in all three of them. So this is a big one. And so now in the Old Testament, I did another survey. I was like, okay, what's prophecy in the Old Testament? And there's two major ways that you see prophecy in the Old Testament. And the first is, it's a proclamation of coming consequences for continued action. If you keep going this way, this is what's going to happen. And it happens so many times. We're like uh, Samuel goes to Eli. He's like, well, God said that if your sons don't cut out these horrible things that they're doing in front of the temple, they're going to be removed. There's a prophecy. Stop that, right? Or Or we see it with Tyre and Moab and God bringing these proclamations like, cut it out. He comes to Jerusalem, Israel, time and time again. The Assyrians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. If you keep walking away from me, if you keep serving these other gods, I will come clean it up. If you persist, I will remove my hand. I will let this happen unless you turn to me. Now, why? Well, first of all, because you'll know it when it comes. You'll understand why it comes. But here's the second one, and I think the primary reason, because he wants you to move off course to change your direction. Stop it. Stop sinning because if you keep going that way, destruction is going to come and I just don't want you to be destroyed. So he brings these prophetic words and says, no, 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 don't. Don't go that way. Go a different way. Here's a modern example that, I, that I've seen before where you, you might go to a friend and you might say, hey, hey, bro, listen, stop chatting with your ex-girlfriend online. You're married. It's a bad deal. This is not going to go well for you. This is going to bring destruction to her and you and everyone, and, and you will regret it. Listen, just stop. That's a good word. It's biblical. It's true. And it is concerned with the common good. I don't want you to have to go through that. I don't want the death that comes from that, right? Okay, the second way we see prophecy in the Old Testament is the promise of the Messiah. All these prophecies about Jesus. It's so beautiful so gracious that God, I mean, he shows us it's 600 years before prophet Isaiah saying these things about Jesus that no one could possibly know. And some say there's over 300 prophecies. There's at least 150. I mean, there's hundreds of prophecies that are pointing directly to the Messiah, to the salvation of what Jesus will do coming into the New Testament, which brings us into New Testament prophecy. And so we see here, 1 Corinthians 14, Look at the description and the understanding of prophecy here. And so Paul tells us, 14, verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him, but he utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So primarily, I believe that prophecy for this day, right now, for us, there's four things that come from prophecy right now. Primarily, strengthening, encouraging, comfort, and edification. That's what we say Paul says this is for. We're going to strengthen people, we're going to comfort, we're going to encourage them, we're going to edify them. You know what it is? It's calling out the good that God wants to see. It's pointing to, see, God has better for you. God has good for you. God has a life for you. And I believe that this is for like every day. 
This is one that we should seek and ask God to do. Gina does a great job of this, and I've been doing this too. It's like I'm asking, God, would you give me words for my kids, the good that you want to bring out in their lives, so I can start speaking it over them, praying it over them, and planning it in their hearts. And so for one of of my kids, I just keep telling them, you have a unique call. I just know it. You have a unique call. I can't wait to see what it is. Another one of my kids tell her all the time, God is, God's going to use you to make outsiders feel like insiders. I just, I just know that that's what he wants to do. Another one, the light that's in you, it's just going to be contagious. People are just going to be drawn to it. Listen, ask God to give you words. God, give me something to pray over my family, my friends. You know, and, and you don't have to even say, thus saith the Lord. I mean, sometimes I tell him, you know, I think God's doing this. And when I pray, this is what comes. But sometimes I just say it. You know, hey, you, you, everybody goes, when the crowd's going wrong, you go right, don't you? I just know, I know that's in you. And I remind them of it again and again so they can walk in that and, and see it come out in their lives. Pray and speak a better future for your family and your loved ones, your coworkers, others that you know. Pray and ask for, for words so you can be the calm in someone's storm. You're gonna make it. He's going to see you through this. He's faithful. He's using this just to shape you. Pray, and yes, if God brings you a word of caution when you see disaster coming, not to shame them, but what? For their common good. And you know the best place to go is right here. Whenever I try to share a word with someone, I always say, Lord, will you give me a scripture? that I can share with them. Because, see, I've got some pretty good ideas up here and I think a lot of them come from God and God gives me good, but I know I'm on pretty good ground when I'm sharing this stuff. I have, a, I have a word for you and it comes from the word. I think you're pretty safe when you do that, right? But here's how it could work in your everyday. So I was, uh, I was watching Spider-Man uh, at the theater with two of my daughters. And as I was there, a woman comes over to me. She says, you're Pastor Carl, right? I'm like, yeah. And she says, uh, I don't go to your church, but um, I just want to let you know, uh, I visited today and I want you to know that you are in the right place and you are being used mightily by God. And I was like, all right, you got any more? Come on, bring him. Keep keep going. If that's how it's going to be, that's good stuff, right? Strengthened me, encouraged me, comforted me, edified me. I'll take that. Listen, we need that. This is a big one. Lord, give us words from you that have power. They're meaning. They're more than what we would say on our own. So we can build one another up. All right, so let's open up the drawer. We'll get to the next one. And the next one is discernment. Oh boy, do we need discernment right now. Discernment is the ability to see right from wrong. It's the ability to see good from evil. And in our world right now, I'll tell you, I need discernment. Lord, is that, is that you? Is that what you're doing? Is that good? What's, what's the heart behind that? And have you ever just said, you're going and you're seeing something, you're like, yeah, I guess that's good. And, and yeah, that seems like good people, but there's just something you're like, I, I don't know. And discernment is to understand, to be able to see the heart behind something. You know, like, like the heart behind, when I, when I started our church plant, the very first church plant we did, I think I told you this, that one of my motives was, oh, I could do this better. That's a bad way to start a church. I hope, that's why not very many people came with me, hopefully. There's pride. You know, you're going to start that thing in anger. I'd rather not be part of something that's just being birthed out of anger. It's just not going to work. You got to be careful about the foundations of things, where they're coming from, 
We need discernment to say that. And listen, it's not so you can condemn. It's not so you can judge. You cannot say, oh, you're bad and we're good. No, it's to guide your involvement. So you can say, I don't think so. And it comes as this check. Have you ever heard that before? Gina and I call it a check. There's just something like, ah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I think I'm going to sit this one out because there's something about it that's not right. And that's why knowing God's word is so important because you got this check and then you can go to the word and you could understand why. Ah, okay, God likes humility. Submission's important to him. To put others first. Ah, this is out of sync with how God does things. The more you know the word, the higher and more tuned your, insi- your discernment is. is. All right, last one. So we're going to open up the drawer, and what we find in there is speaking in tongues, and I'm going to do interpretation of tongues at the same time. These are the last two gifts there. Now, I believe that it's the same gift, and there's three different expressions of that gift. And so the first one is actually, we see this is used, the very first time tongues ever happens is it comes for evangelism. The whole purpose is to be a sign to unbelievers. And so here we have it in Acts 2, verse 4. And so this is Pentecost. This is when the Holy Spirit fills the disciples. And it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Wow. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthian, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, and then just it gets harder and harder to pronounce as we go. And then verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. How cool. Man, I would love to see that happen. I'm going to tell you what, I have never personally experienced that one. Okay? I have a friend who tells me that he was in Mexico and he started preaching in Spanish, not knowing Spanish. I think that would be awesome. You know, I was uh, in Estonia and I remember there were all these Russians in this uh, shelter and how cool it would be like to be, the Lord said, that's my bad Russian accent. I can't even do an accent right in Russian. But the Lord says, Jesus says, you know, and start speaking in their language. Oh, that would be awesome. Okay, so that's one expression. The next expression is a public expression for a word. Paul talks a little bit about this. In Corinthians, that's what we see a lot of. Where So God would give someone a tongue, a word, in another language. And then what comes, Paul says, and so if that happens publicly, if it happens in here, the next thing that has to happen is an interpretation. So someone needs to come forward and say, okay, this is what that means. Now that takes a lot of guts to do that, a lot of faith. Because first of all, you have to feel like, okay, this tongue, this is from God. And then second of all, and God's going to give an interpretation. And then finally, and that person is going to be obedient and bring that interpretation forward. See, because Paul tells us that if we don't do it that way, that it's actually out of order. See, that everything in this room is supposed to be fitting and in order. We've been talking about that That's from second or First Corinthians as well. Fitting and in order. So the way that it happens here. So if there's a, you have a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, if you have a tongue, if you have an interpretation, what we ask you to do, instead of everyone just standing up and doing it, is that you would come and you would tell one of the pastors, and then we'd say, okay, is there an interpretation? And we say, is this the right season? Is it fitting for what we're doing right now? And is it in order? So that's how it works, all right? So that's the second way that I see tongues being used. And then here's the third way that we see it in the Bible. And it's 1 Corinthians, and it's actually the passage that we just looked at. 
and it's 14, verse 4. And it's connected with as Paul's talking to, about prophecy. And then he who speaks in a tongue, and here's a different way that it happens here, edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather to have you prophesy. All right. So what we see here, this idea of edifying yourself. And so what, how I see this and what I believe about this is that this is some people call this your prayer language. And the idea here would be when you don't know what to pray, you say, Holy Spirit, pray for me. Or like you're in the middle of a spiritual battle and you know like there's evil and there's things going on. And you're like, I don't know what to do. Holy Spirit, would, would you just come and would you give the words? Would you bring the prayer right now? Because I don't, I don't even know how to pray. So I have a, a dear friend who comes, really dear friend who comes from a church of Christ background who, who doesn't, who's a cessationist, right? He, he would say, this gift's not for today. He's like, help me understand. And, and I told him, well, this is what I believe. And he said, you know what? I've experienced that. And he said, but, but for me, it's just silence. So I just, I don't know what to pray. So I just, I just get quiet before God. And I'm just like, okay, God, you do the work. Romans 8, 26, I think also shows us another way that this can happen. So in Romans 8, verse 26, it says, in the same way, and I think this is the whole heart of this gift right now, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's important. We do not know what we ought to pray, for the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes. That's interesting. That's really comforting. The Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I don't even know what your will is, God. I don't even know how to pray here. And the Holy Spirit will come and guide us and he'll pray for us. And so the discipline, I believe in this one, it's first just to acknowledge, I don't know what to do. God, I need you. And it's come before I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, would you intercede for me? And if this is a gift that you want to grow in, if this is a gift that you'd like to experience, I, I would encourage you, just start by just coming before him silently. Saying, Lord, I, I'm not, I don't know how to pray. Will you intercede for me right now? Will you fight for me? Will you guide me in the midst of this? And I know this one like freaks out a lot of people and maybe even you are a little freaked out right now. And Paul, he acknowledges that. He says, you know, if, you're gonna, if you guys are all going to just start yelling tongues out there, unbelievers are going to come and they're going to think you're crazy. They're gonna say, won't they say that you're out of your mind? But, but the way I see it, this is just another way to pray. It's just another way to humble ourselves. There's many ways to pray. And it's a helpful way. And you got to understand that every single one of these gifts, every single one is a partnership. None of them. None of them do we like go into some strange trance, you know, like, well, oh, what? no, that's weird paganism. That is not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit partners with us and we decide if we're going to do it or not. The Spirit, it says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. And what that means is that God doesn't make you. He gives you the opportunity and you decide if you want to step into it. So how do any of them work? They all work like this. Hmm, I think God may be saying, I think that God wants to tell you something. And so what do you do? You use your own mouth and you say, okay, here it goes. I think this is him. And you put it out there and listen, they have to test it. They have the same Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. When that lady came to me at Spider-Man, I was like, yeah, that sounds good. That, 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 that resonates with me, right? And it's the same way with tongues. So, you know, you come and you're like, all right, Lord. Is this you? 
I think it's him. And listen, I, I, it doesn't matter if it's silence or if it's groans or it's a language. It's, it's coming before him and saying, God, pray for me. Let's partner in this. And I'll tell you what, if it's a gift from God, I want it. If God says we should have it, then I want it. And I'll ask for it. And if it comes, I'll use it. And God's gifts are good and they are useful and they're des- desirable. And I want all the gifts. I want all the gifts, especially prophecy. Because 1 Corinthians 14 says, earnestly seek. And look, did you see that it doesn't say earnestly seek the gift? It doesn't say get, get your one gift. It says earnestly seek the gifts, spiritual gifts. So you can use the right tool at the right time for the right need. And I want you to have access to all of them. So anytime you're like, oh, I need wisdom right now. Holy Spirit, please come and give me some wisdom. Or Lord, we want to see healing. Can I see the gift of healing take place right now? And I just want the right tool at the right time to do the work. And you know what? I want us to do it in the right attitude. These are tools. They're not the goal. We're not chasing after spiritual gifts. We want them. We welcome them. But we're chasing after Jesus. We're working for the common good. And that's where these things are useful. And Galatians 5.25 tells us, keep in step with the Spirit. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you that every single day that you're just walking in His Spirit, walking by His Spirit, using His tools in everything you do, every relationship, every connection, every sphere of influence. Lord, what are you doing? And you know, one of the, I think one of the failures of the church is we have just, we've tried for some reason, we've made these, um, these gifts so theatrical but I think they're so practical. I just think they're so everyday. You know, I think that actually you've walked in these gifts many times without even knowing it. That God has given you the gift of wisdom. You just had the right word to say. That God has given you like a word of prophecy for someone else. You're like, I think God wants to do this. And maybe you didn't even recognize that he's doing it. I mean, that's how practical I think these are to be in our life. They're just gonna happen all the time. And listen, just be led by his spirit. Be grounded in his word and use his tools when he gives them to you. And listen, you'll be in a safe place and a good place and a powerful place to see lives changed. So I want to have just a, a little ministry time right now. We're going to sing this last song. If I could ask you just to stand up, please. And, and uh, if, if you're there and we're going to sing this last, last long song together. And if you're like, you know what? I want, I want some of these spiritual gifts. And maybe there's one in particular um, that you're hungry for. And if that's you, if, if you say, yeah, I, I do want more spiritual gifts, would you be so humble to put your hands out here? There's nothing mystical, but it's just to say, God, this is the posture of my heart. I'm open. Lord, I want what you have to give me. And you know what? God can give you spiritual gifts if your hands are like this too. It's okay, all right? So I don't want to make you uncomfortable. It doesn't really matter that much. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you come right now in every heart that says, um, I, I want more spiritual gifts, Lord, would you say Yes. Lord, every person who who says, Lord, I want more of you. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Holy Spirit, would you move right now? Holy Spirit, release gifts. Release gifts of miracles and healing. Lord, we ask, we really want to see prophecy, Lord. Bring prophecy. Release gifts of tongues and gifts of interpretation. Release wisdom, Lord. Lord, all these gifts, I just ask you to release it on your church right now. Lord, we need these gifts. We need your power for life and godliness. We can't do it without you. Lord, we need these gifts that are beyond us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're generous and that you're gracious and you want to give us good gifts. Now I pray, Lord, that you would give us discernment. Just release discernment in this church. 
And Lord, I just pray that we would be a people that walk in your gifts day in and day out, that we move by your spirit, that we move by your power. So more Holy Spirit, more Lord, more gifts. Lord, just release these to your people. Lord, because you love them, you want them to win. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be surprised this next week. We're like, wow, we're moving in the Holy Spirit. We're moving in this gift I've never moved in before. Thank you, Lord, that you want to do that right now. More, God. And I thank you that in this comes a new move, comes a new power, comes new work for our lives, comes new victory, Jesus. Thank you. That's what you want for us. That's what you have for us. And Lord, you say that if we ask for bread, you're not going to give us a stone. So I know you're giving us gifts right now. I don't know if they're going to happen this minute, if they're going to happen next week, if they're going to happen a year from now, but I know they're coming and I thank you for it, Jesus. We say yes to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.